Okay, welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. Um, this is Tim Fimazia, uh, managing editor at Blockin. Bossebo, Wasli here. So, I want to ask the magical question Do you still believe? Because right now I'm still 30k and birth, uh, BTC. Yeah, uh, that's our first story, right? Yeah, yeah, that's our first story. Hey, like that, like that, how to tee up the first story, then there's no more casual discussion. <laughs> no casual discussion. I have your segue directly, yeah. Okay, oh. okay. Chop chop curry pop uh, right. So oh recently I've been hearing a lot of like old school lingo, like tombalik. When was the last time you heard tombalik? You oh, know, you know long time. Uh. Long yeah. time ago, right? I was like tombalik, other tombalik. Right, but <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I get I actually understand what you're saying, you know, but anyway. Okay, first story. <laughs> Let's go straight into it. Tim, come bring us through. The first story is that uh you know, well, Bitcoin reached its highest level in over a year and co- the coin coinbase stock continues to climb. Um basically crypto ETFs continue to be all the rage and the market seems to be lapping up their hype. Nasdaq has refiled BlackRock's Bitcoin ETF, um, now with the support of Coinbase. This is following in the footsteps of uh, uh, CBOE, which made the same moves with Fidelity's Bitcoin ETF. And, and similar to its role of Fidelity, Coinbase will provide market surveillance for BlackRock's proposed ETF. So anyway, all these uh, continue to be tailwinds for Bitcoin. And at the same time, Coinbase stock, MicroStrategy stock, um, you know, they've continued buying Bitcoin. I mean, I, I think that's a great example of DCA, right? <laughs> Into Bitcoin. DCA. <laughs> 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 no, but I, I think I think as the, the, the base idea is uh these these are spot funds, right? They are not they're not futures, right? Or Correct. are they yeah, so they are spot funds. So essentially uh these are the spot index funds, right? As the fund size grow, then they will acquire, right? So they continue to acquire into the hard assets underlying, like, which in this case is the Bitcoin, right? Well well hasn't they haven't actually launched yet, like, they've just filed applications. But I guess everyone is anticipating to go through and then accumulation by all these large institutions. Yes. And okay. then eventually they become the back holder. Right? I think, I think was it, was it two weeks ago, Boss was saying, y'all hold back. Not sit, man. Right. Hold on to very, hold on very. need a track fire help us to hold yeah, the bag. Yeah. need a the track fire to hold the bag. Oh they have uh, more powerful uh, holding power. But I actually wanted to ask, because for some of these, right, they are not exactly spot, right? They are trust. Features. Yeah, some. I think this crypto ETF thing is uh, plus EV, uh, like in terms of uh, narrative. But I have another take on this I'd like to share with you all. So, for example, just for example, uh, BlackRock, let's say their ETF uh, got approved. So, it's spot. And uh, they will buy the uh, Bitcoin, right? So that they can make up the base asset so people can buy. Yes. But retailers will be buying the ETF. That's a good thing in a way, but it kinds of, you know, not your key, not your coins, this kind of thing. You are by right to own the Bitcoin asset yourself. Mm. Like, like, mm. like you, you truly own the asset. But when you go through Bitcoin ETF, you don't technically they own, own it. Bitcoin you own because it. you cannot redeem. Yeah, yeah, it's not redeemable. Yeah, so that's, that's my other take. Mm. Uh, like, it's a good thing, but uh, there's this thing about you don't truly own Bitcoin when you buy a Bitcoin ETF. La. Yeah. Correct. So, so, la, but these these things are not targeted at retail. That's not for retail, yeah. right? So so I mean my 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 take is I don't know how many of y'all realize right, how how a lot of these ETFs are formed is when there's a demand for it, right? So what happens is a lot of these are insti guys, they have a mandate, right? So they manage a certain pool of money and then they have a mandate, right? So within this mandate, right, usually it will limit their uh, tools that they can use, right? So maybe they cannot invest in like 
stocks directly or they cannot invest in crypto directly or they cannot, you know, like depends on what is their investment mandate. But then they will go and ask all these big fund houses, right? Hey, we want to invest in EVs, huh? but we cannot buy direct. Huh? Can you create something that we can buy, right? And then when there's enough of that kind of thing, a lot of these fund houses will then create something for them to buy, right? So I think yeah, a lot of these ETFs, that are coming out, right? It's, it's really not meant for the retail. If if you are a retail crowd that is already in, you believe in the crypto future, then, yeah, like what Bosley say, right? Like, no, your keys, not your coins, right? So you should go straight in into actually owning the underlying asset, especially when you can do fractional ownership anyway already in this thing, right? It's not like shares. You know? Okay, anyway, shares also can do fractional these days, uh, but no broker sponsor, so I'm not going to say, you know, but, um, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. When it comes to a lot of the ETFs, it's for Insti. Right, but but at the end, for institutional, when they come in, they they do hold the bag. It serves the same function of what it is, right? But uh, but fair warning, lah, that that you know, if you buy the ETFs, then you don't actually own the thing underlying, right? So yeah, yeah, that's a that's a point. Yeah, I think uh, earlier this week, CoinDesk put out an article about why TradFi institutions are all trying to issue a spot Bitcoin ETF. And the simple explanation is that, you know, they offering a spot Bitcoin ETF is just a simple straight for them to make money. Their clients want it. Yeah. They just come, come up with a product and that's all they got to do. Yeah. Exactly. Do your thing will affect uh micro strategy because micro strategy selling point was also this. Like if Correct, you yeah. are fun house and you cannot buy, you can buy micro strategy because they hold a lot of base asset in BTC. Yeah. I mean, you've got a good point there. I don't know. I think there's enough money to go around. Mm. Um, okay, so I think there's a difference here, right? Okay, so a lot of people, when they look at finance guys, right, they think the finance guys are wow, very revolutionary, but actually it's the same one, right? So they also sell things in package, right? So if let's say you buy from Fidelity, right, or you buy from BlackRock, and uh, you buy and many different funds from them, right? You also buy their index funds, you buy their S&P, you buy um, their EV funds, whatever you buy from them. And then you buy an extra like this Bitcoin fund from them, right? Then they charge you cheaper, lah, right? So they do this kind of package deal. So they are not as revolutionary as you think. It's the same as buying a software suite. You Everything buy from Microsoft is cheaper than if you buy from Microsoft this, then that, then that, champo, champo, different, different providers. You buy from the same vendor, they also give you about discount. Right, so so that is kind of how over the years I realized it's just how it works in in the market. They are not as revolutionary as you think. <laughs> Buy three yeah. get one free, yeah. Yeah, it's really a long slide. So if you see the fun, I don't know how many of you all read fun articles, but because it's the job, right? So I will read the fun offering articles. Then you will see different prizes on. Right, the management fees are different from Insti and retail is it, and the difference can be two to three times difference, you know, like they will charge the retail maybe 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 and the Insti can be like 0. 0.2, you know, that, that kind of thing. But it is really because they bring in the kind of volume, right? So in the business world, you carry, you know, such a big AUM, you go to the fun house, hey, you want to give me not? Don't want I go next door, Fidelity is going to give me, right? Uh, At this rate, you're going to match, right? So this is just how it works. Uh. It's as kampong as you think, lah. Right? It's yes. not, as, <laughs> not as not as like atas like wow big building everything law by law they are wait, uh, to be fair they never break the law but it is a uh, very kampong business practices also it, it doesn't change <laughs> yeah I mean since you mentioned uh, AUM did you guys see the prediction by crypto analyst Willy Wu he said that Bitcoin theoretically could reach uh, 310,000 for one BTC if all these uh, fund managers allocate 5% of their AUM to Bitcoin. Mm. 
Yeah. So he's wow, that, 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 this kind of prediction. prediction uh. But he, I mean, he, he do a lot of analysis on uh, BTC one, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you all heard of like uh, Plan B? No. This guy. So this guy called Plan B. Uh, so on Twitter also, he has this chart where he, I, I forgot the name on this chart already. So it was during the peak bull market. And uh, he went for a podcast with bankers. That period of time, he was also saying like around this uh, figure, like 320, like 1 BTC, 320. Then mm. this year, we also have uh, the 1 million BTC one. And that guy already lost that. Yep, <laughs> he already yep, paid Balaji, already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 1 yeah. million BTC. So my, my, I, think, I think for listeners, right, you, you must really... Um, have an easy thought process like if you really want to challenge this fundamental notion like let's say you're talking about 5% institutional uh, investment in Bitcoin right it's a bit wild lah, right because uh, if you think about it right how institutions think about it they, they first think about what is the risk-free return in the market right which at this point in time is the US dollar right so the US dollar you know that will give you a matter of 3, 4, 5% you know the bonds are Right. So from there, then they explore the stock market. Right. The stock market has a consistent track record, maybe about 7-8%. Right. And then with these two as the base parameter, then they ask themselves, so what is my mandate? What how much do I need to make out of this? Right. What is my investment mandate? Only then will they start to explore thematics, whether is it like EVs or like pharma or, or what that. Then mm. alternative comes in when all these others don't perform, right? So it is a step by step kind of thing. And I would think at this point in time, you know, crypto, you know, would be alongside fine art, alongside wine, alongside collectibles, you know, uh, at least in how Insti looks at money, um, and how they manage it. So to have a five percent allocation from the big funds, right, is quite nuts. Uh. I don't think it's so easy. I know, I know. Yeah, it, it, it's quite a large figure. Yeah, as well. it's, it's it's crazy. And into Bitcoin alone, but, but so, I, so I, the, I mean, I guess if you look at it from a like a retail investor's uh, portfolio point of view, yeah, you know, you say like five percent can be your, you know, what are alternatives or like high risk investments. Yeah, yeah. So that is doable, uh, understandable that you have five percent in Bitcoin, but Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's the, the that's the logic that these guys gap. Are managing. Yeah. Exactly, and that's the logic gap. Like sometimes we as retail people, we think about things from our view. Right, so as retail people, five percent is okay, ma. Right, like like what you say, many people will do five percent. It's it's not that wild. And I think as I move along and I talk to a lot of people about this, uh, yeah, wow, a lot of people have more than five percent, you know, in this mm. thing, right? So it is there, but yeah, like what Tim says or about to say, at least that's what I expect. You know, it's uh, it's still five percent. It's a lot, right? So <laughs> will, will, will they put it there? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but 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 that being said, maybe the one percent theory that Chamath uh kept. Pushing, right? Maybe what happened, right? And and if you think about that, then that will be instead of three hundred thousand, it will be like what sixty thousand. You can two x, mm. maybe, right? Uh, but I'm not sure. Or I maybe think one two percent also quite significant impact, uh, because with them coming in, retail will also start to power in. Uh. Yeah. Yes, and it forms the floor uh, because they don't move in a lot. Once they do ETFs, right, they are not traders. Right? The ETFs yep. come in, uh, what we call the lazy money, right? or what, uh, what they'll call the patient capital. Right? Very patient one. They allocate and they wait. right? So then it forms a new floor. right? So uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. Uh, but but all, all these are good stories for the believer. Uh, right? The believer. Believer. Show me a t-shirt uh, on this. <laughs> Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Blockhead <laughs> makes a t-shirt. Next event, we'll do it. Right, believer. <laughs> Are you a believer? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so if you are a believer, then uh, you should be very, very interested in this, right? This is the next story. MAS uh, is introducing investor protection, you know, and uh, I believe if you are a believer, you should care about this, right? And how will this impact the retail space? Okay, so here's the background. MAS, Monetary Authority of Singapore, has ordered crypto service providers to deposit customer assets under a statutory trust by the end of the year. In other words, they want these kind of service providers to put your money away from their money right don't jump into one right so separate you as an investor or you as a service you you buy their service you put your money with them mas wants this set of money which is your money to be put into a trust structure not be mixed up with the provider's money right this move is of course the design to mitigate the risk of loss or misuse of customer assets and facilitate recovery in the event of a service provider's insolvency, right? And this was a big talk of the town when robo-advisors first started coming into the game, right? So they had the same problem. There were a few like robo-advisors that closed shop and at first people were concerned like, okay, you see all these big tech guys, they have a high burn rate, they are not making money and then they collect my money to invest. Yeah. Are they going to mix it together? But because robo-advisors are very traditional, they take financial service license, right? So they are like financial planner. So that's their license and in when they first started. In other words, their money is separate into a custodian or a trust structure. Like separate from uh, your money is separate from their money. Uh, but uh, clearly that wasn't how crypto is for mm. a long time. By now we all know, right? So yeah, MS ordered everybody to do this. So we shall see. Any thoughts on how this will affect the operations? I mean, you guys are in the market, like two of you, like you hear anything about how is it going to change the retail landscape? Actually, you know, there's a second part to this. They are also restricting crypto service providers from uh, facilitating lending and staking. Oh, shit. Yeah, for retail, mm. uh, which yeah. is... A big draw, yeah. or, you know, for a lot of retail investors, like you're not just, I mean, the, the ones who are not actually in crypto, right, doing stuff, but doing stuff with the tokens, you accumulate ETH or whatever, you don't want it just to sit there, right? You, you wanted to make some money as well, but now that's uh, not going to be available to you as well. Only institutional and accredited investors uh, will be allowed to engage in lending and staking of their tokens. Hi, so how? Not shook, right? <laughs> Unhappy, right? I know, I know. The, the, cannot the, believe. Yeah, cannot believe the daddy. Daddy has come down and tell you, sorry, you cannot. Right? This is not the way to go. But this is why I think I have a short thoughts on this is that like MAS implement all this regulation, right? So number one is that I think it will be like the CX services will not be able to offer, if it really comes down, they won't be able to offer lending or staking. So for example let's say uh, Coinbase. So right now they are operating in SG and uh, MAS could ask them no longer not to provide staking services. Because on Coinbase right now, if you stake USDC is 4%, not, not stake, la, but if you hold it with them 4%, if you stake your ETH, uh, they give you 3.5. This kind of services might be removed, but it also opens up an opportunity la, for people who are more into this, they can still go into like DeFi. Mm. I'm not exactly sure MAS asked who to do all this like opinion or how did they come up with all this idea. So why is it always institutional investor or accredited investor, why they can stake ETH on centralized exchange, why we cannot, I, I cannot understand. Because the retail investors are the ones that are going to go back to MAS in case anything <laughs> goes wrong. Yeah, usually that is, that is the top process. Lah. I mean, of course, uh, depending on who you talk to, they will say you don't want to let the retail crowd take the risk, right? But I, I honestly think the crypto crowd is a self-select crowd, right? 
Like they they mm-hmm. want the risk, right? Like like you you want to go in, you want to chong, right? So like it's it's a very different thing, now. But 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 let's be clear, right? Like I don't think for the believers, right? Or like the wow, believer is like a thing already, man. Like okay, the believers, right? I, I really I really <laughs> it I really, should be a thing uh, for a broadcast, like uh, broadcast be believer. Yeah, are you a believer, right? So for the believers, right? Like come on, man. Like you're not gonna sit there and just wait. Right, you're not gonna lie down there. So you're you're gonna move your money elsewhere, whether it's DeFi, whether it's into other service providers. I mean, the whole idea of crypto is is borderless, right? Like of course there's the whole element of uh, decentralized and all that, but a big part is because you can move it around very easily. So other service providers in other countries will will be able to do the same. Like I think Yeah, I mean hmm. sorry, Reggie, this basically brings our centralized exchanges here back to I guess maybe like two, three years ago when the only player in town was CoinHako and all you could do is buy like a handful of, of tokens. I started you know, with CoinHako. Yeah, most people did, I guess, because <laughs> yeah, you're the first yeah. ones that are here. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. I mean, we, you know, I guess within like a, a couple of days on CoinHako, you realize, you know what? I'm going to move my money somewhere else because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they what's the point of this? Much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all you can do is buy and that's it. Yeah, yeah. so uh, like, like, like Boss Lee is saying, I guess the, the, the ones who are actually interested in the space yeah you, you'll find alternatives and DeFi is right there for you yeah when I saw the news I laugh uh, like you stop lending and sticking <laughs> how to stop like I'm not even using <laughs> uh, but um, not everyone knows right but people who are interested uh, I also post an opportunity for broadcast you know the educational material uh, not to show stuff but you know like this is how you can do A, B, C, D yeah. alternatively yeah mm. Alternative, uh, oh, oh, also alternative. another shared idea. Uh, how to stop? Yeah, how to, how to stop? How to stop? <laughs> how to stop? <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I think we are building a lot of uh, t-shirt ideas also, right? It's like, like believers. How to stop? Okay, so if you all like it, let us know. <laughs> next, next time we do an event, we will do it. But yeah, it, it is what it is, like I, I don't think there's a. I mean, I understand why MS wants to do the first part at, at you know, separating the whole thing. But yeah, when, when it comes to all this other provision of what can be done, I think, yeah, la, what is likely to happen in this kind of uh, institutional development is that uh, a new license will come up. Usually that's how it works, right? So once this gets executed and clamped down on everybody, then there will be a new form of something. Then there's a new license issuance. And you start to see these big, big bodies of like, whether it's Coinbase or all these guys, right? Have to break up. Not in the sense of like, they break up as a company, but they will have to start to register another entity, you know, uh, get license for a different thing. And then they, like it or not, become institutionalized. Mm. They get force-fed into the system, right? So uh, eventually a different name will come in and a different definition of like, what is considered a loan, or, you know, a fixed deposit or something, uh, you know, a short-term deposit, you know, no longer staking. And that's a different name, same shit, you know, and then, yeah. and then the new license, you know, you, I, I do think that's how most things will happen in that sense. It's not groundbreaking. It's just a little bit problematic for the retail guys uh, at this moment in time. Lah. I mean, it's, it, it is interesting how they ended up at these, you know, guidelines measures right because how it usually works with them you know they would come up with their plans for example we want to make we want to safeguard retail investors a a little bit more in the retail in the digital asset space so they put out this uh, circular and then they'll say like invite feedback right they give you like a month or two for industry players to submit their recommendations and 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 whatever on, on their proposed measures 
And then they come up with these guidelines, which are not uh, set in stone. You know, they also said that um, they're inviting uh, feedback from industry on, on these proposed measures before actually implementing them. So you're telling me that these are the recommendations that the industry players themselves, like all the centralized exchanges, actually put forth? Uh, I don't know. Um, bro, it's, it, it happens. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not always about business maximization, right? In a sense that once, once these kind of discussions begin, right, of course the government will come in, the regulators will come in to say like, okay, this is what we want. Uh. What do you all want? Make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what we but, want. But there was a Can list that, uh, right. like the people who attend all the suggestion, there was a list. It's like all the banks. It's like DBS, HSBC, right, Stanchart. Right, right. There was no representation from CEX, right? Mm. Uh, oh, and I also curious. I, I never really pay attention to all this, uh, like asking for industry feedback. Then we go like yeah. MS or this stuff. I was wondering do they actually reach out to finance media? Like, like for example, they go to TFC no, or they go to Blockcast no. and you know what are the people on the ground talking about? Like, like no, all this? no, they, they don't, no. they don't, they don't. Maybe <laughs> oh. when we publish report, maybe when we publish a report to, to have like a structured feedback of like what is happening, then someone will pick it up and read it, right? So, oh, you know, like, yeah. like a lot of media houses, not all media houses uh, do ads and sponsor only. Some media houses will do reports, right? So mm-hmm. it's like a research house the media is the front to get the data and and, and all that, right? Then those guys, yeah, la, they will have a bit more weight in the discussion. Yeah, yeah. So not not insinuating that the government doesn't care about, <laughs> about what is on the ground, but it's selective voices la, for sure. Mm. Yeah, as always, la, as always. I just wanted to ask Brian or actually Reggie, maybe you have a, you have a better view on your audience. Like, like how would this crowd, the retail crowd, that these guidelines are aimed at protecting? How, how are they going to change their investment strategies, or are there other investment avenues to consider now? Now that you can't like lend or stake your ETH, say like you have like ten ten thousand or twenty thousand, that's it. You're not you're not earning four percent anymore. Yeah. So I I think I think first thing is uh there is quite a difference between like the believers that have like crypto first. And then they make some money, then they be like, oh, okay, maybe we put some in other things, right? So that's one group there. And then I believe the bigger other group is maybe more like equity first. And then uh, crypto forms like a even fiercer part of their portfolio, like, like they want to go for the 20, 30 percent mm. type of people, you know, which, which I think where most of our audience are is like equities and then like crypto is the, the front runner, right? So when they are doing that, uh, staking probably is not their primary concern because uh, ETH and BTC is not going to give you much alpha. It's, it's very beta at this point in time, right? So you want the alpha, you have to seek it in other things, right? Like the, the like your, your altcoins are essentially or other strats, right? So this mm. is a bit too safe for the kind of audience that we have because if you relative compare to the stock market, it can give you 6, 7, 8% already. Why would you be staking crypto in that sense, right? You you want to be more yep. aggressive, right? So so that is one that's one view, you know, of of how things are. I I do believe the other group probably has a different view, and I do believe the crypto first people are hunters, ah. They will hunt one, ah. It's not that difficult for them to mm. move around. Believers, ma, right, boss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I agree with uh, Reggie la, on the... I think different people are playing different games, right? So for yes. those who are wanting to stake, and also when you come into this game of staking, right? Be it you have a small amount or big amount, when you stake, you are earning in ETH. La. So some people truly want to believe in uh, ETH and they want to accumulate that. But that is one. But I think for those who really want to go for like the multiple X one, a more straightforward approach will be buy altcoin and pray for the next 10X or 100 
Hundred X. Exchange still facilitate that. This kind of staking have a very unique crowd. Uh, and uh, not sure how many percent of uh, Singaporean is uh, all the people here are doing this. So different people playing different game. Those who truly want to stake will find their way. Uh, like me, I, I truly want to stake. I want to play a part in the decentralization of uh, e-staking. I, I find my way through DeFi. For those who want to chase the uh, multiple X, they can still use the exchanges. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, I really feel like a lot of people that are in the staking game, right? It's more a rest and relax situation, you know? It's like they, they hold most of their things in crypto. Then, okay, for now, a bit uh, busy, uh, nothing to do. Uh, or like there's no other place to put. No, then we put here first. We stake here first, right? So it's There's a, another it's a thought process. Uh, you can think it as like uh, reads. Uh. So some reads maybe yeah, give exactly. you uh, <laughs> yeah, seven or eight, right? But uh, let's say if you last year, 2021, you boom already. You already have a bunch of if and you just want to collect dividend, right? So the so-called dividend. Mm. And then you stick in, then you want to have a channel. You can either use CEX, but let's say if the proposal goes through, there's no CEX, then most likely you can still use uh, DeFi. Yeah, mm. so I, I see like sticking like REITs, uh. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And that's 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 what I think is the main crowd of the stakers, right? I I, I don't yep. think like the ones I described, which is like mostly in stock market and then want to have a bigger alpha in crypto. Those guys are not out for staking. They are out for their 10x, 20x, you know, find the next big thing. You know, it's it's, it's a very different thought process. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we move on to the next topic, uh, there's, there's something else that I wanted to bring up. Like, you know, now the Wall Street Journal uh, put out a report, I think about two weeks ago, on what they call a crypto site door. Basically, you know, now with like restrictions of uh, services such as Binance in, in places like the US and, and many parts of Europe, along with other exchanges, right? Traders are now buying digital residencies abroad. So for example, Palau. Oh, Palau work with uh, Binance issued the ID. Correct. So you can actually get a digital residency in Palau for about 250 bucks a year. You get a national ID, which allows you to register on all these crypto platforms as a Palau national. <laughs> and the Palau ID uh, digital residency program website even advertises that as such. Uh, a lot of logos of crypto companies all over their uh, website that they so-called work with. Um, you know, you can use this as ID for verification on like uh, Airbnb, yeah, yeah, Airbnb, yeah. Uh, all sorts of <laughs> other um, uh, online platforms, airlines, and blah blah blah. Shit. Okay, okay. So uh, yeah. th this is what uh, crypto traders, uh, I guess, a lot of them in the US who are now barred from a lot of uh, platforms, um, they're using uh, a Palau digital ID to to register for for services. Uh. Yeah, I guess it, it's much cheaper than than getting a Cypriot passport. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Um, Palau, man. Palau, I, I, man. I, had to, I, I had to look it up on uh, on, on Google Maps. It's in between uh, Papua New Guinea and Philippines, and there's like twenty thousand people there. Palau, Palau. No, they have like yeah. Uh, I tried to fly. Eight, eight million digital. <laughs> you also look at me too. Can go there buy Manila or PNG. Oh my god. Quite smart. Eh? I think quite smart for uh, them to do this because it's opportunistic, uh, it's a one, right? Yeah. yeah. Also yeah. revenue uh, for their country. Yeah, you know what's the best thing? Unlike tourism where it creates lots of waste in where they live, this one got no waste. Right? Online, everything, settle. Then you keep getting revenue from the world, right? Or from the rebels of the world. <laughs> mm. So nice, nice. Uh, I should interview the Palau government, right? Good yeah, you should, you should. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, there was a podcast, right? And one of the president, I don't know, is it prime minister or president, actually went on it to talk about why they choose this business model. And uh, Singapore was one of the comparisons. How he crafted it is that uh, 
because both of us are sort of like the small island, right? So for them, like the example that you give, uh, they use this digitally, give out all the PID, and yet at the same time, they protect their land, meaning to say their resources are not wasted. La. Like, don't need to build a lot of huge buildings, all this to accommodate new people coming in and all this stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, protect yeah. their land, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but we must be very clear, uh, Singapore, and it's, it's not just an island-to-island comparison. We've been a port for 600 years, right? Oh, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and bigger, right? <laughs> so we, we already have been messed up by the port structure, you know, for a long time. That, that one is like like beautiful island, like, you know, like Palawan type of, type of vibes, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's different, it's different. Yeah, but, but okay. my point is that I think he will hop onto the show if... Uh, yeah. I mean, there's an opportunity uh, since he also hopped on to other show. So I thought oh. maybe, maybe yeah, we should try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to try. Definitely into, <gasps> into generating buzz around this, right? Like he did like a scuba dive with CZ and Binance. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, and that was carried all over social media and all that. And uh, I think uh, Vitalik is also a holder of a Palau ID. Mm-hmm. His uh, testimony is uh, front and center on the uh, Palau Digital ID website. <laughs> okay, so, I will get so the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I will get the guy. I'm interested. I'm interested. So yes, uh, yeah. please tag them. Tag them. You know, if you're listening, <laughs> tag them. Ask them to come on the show and <laughs> we'll have a good discussion about Palau. <laughs> okay. PID. So PID is an NFT, right? Yep. Yes, then we can go to our third story. Also about NFT. <laughs> <laughs> is but this a good segue or not? The segue them hard. It's like, <laughs> okay, go, go, go. Okay, okay, let's go. I think this one is interesting. Uh, so, so for the past week, if you are in the NFT space, then uh, it's kind of like a super bear market. La. So it's not a good thing for the NFT space because like the BAYC dropped below 30 ETH. Azuki dropped 50 and uh, Pudgy Penguin also dropped 14%. So it was a pretty hard week for most NFT holders. One interesting story that came out from this is that it kind of like triggered from uh, Azuki. So Azuki had a Vegas event and uh, during the Vegas event, shortly after, uh, they launched uh, a new collection. Uh. So this new collection came out, right? There was a lot of hype. I think maybe too much hype. Right? So when it came out, people were kind of like disappointed because the artwork was pretty much the same to the original artwork. Then the start uh, sell off uh, because uh, like the holders were expecting more. Uh. Oh, so it failed, it failed on a listing, it, it, essentially. Like the moment when it come onto the market, the thing got just get shot like mad. Yeah, because uh, oh the goodness. artwork is uh, it's very hard to differentiate. So if you're a holder of the original OG Azuki, you want to feel privileged. Like, like for example, you hold BLIC and you hold MAYC is different. Right, there's a clear distinction of these two PFP, right? These two character, mm. Mm. but uh, Azuki Elemental and Azuki OG, you cannot right now lah. It's very hard to differentiate. What are you holding? Uh? so as an OG, you don't feel prestige or you don't feel status. But this collection was sold out, right? So what the effect was? It actually caused the original collection to plummet in price, lah. Yes, and in fact, it also shows one problem: is that there are a lot of wheels in in uh, Azuki because uh, when it's just it's a bunch of whales selling us because uh, it market was makers, only yeah. they are not market <laughs> okay they can also be market makers <laughs> they but, are uh, bro whales are market makers they can do so much but okay please continue yeah so for OG Azuki you can mean uh, each one for two if I think for the team they collected about 
is it 40 mil in, in, in total yeah, from this correct. second collection? But people were disappointed. Yeah. La, they were expecting more. La. Captain, do you know about Ming Coin by uh, Nigek? So Nigek also launched their collection. And um, this is sort of like a misunderstanding. So Nigek released their Captain NFT collection. Has been hyped for a long time already. And people were also expecting a lot from it. La. But they released it and people got confused because many of the NFT pictures look pretty much the same. Huh. Then uh, I think it was more of a communication problem because uh, they released this token, right? uh, this NFT. It's a little bit different. They released the base layer first. So from the base layer, later on, I think uh, 14th of July, uh, they will re release the trade. Then you can mix and match, customize your own character. But it's not something that users or rather not something that NFT people at least right now like, are used to it right like customization people are expecting you draw or you produce some super duper artwork and sell it to me right you give it to me and I buy direct because I like this character so there was some confusion because people were like screenshotting captain like hey how come there's four characters uh, for ah, NFT looking the same. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, then I that mean, one also <laughs> caused the price to plummet. Hmm. Uh, and because like of all this... avatar like that, right? Like you it, get, you cut, get the, yeah. you get the like Maple Story avatar, then you got to buy the thing here and there. You're paying so much for these PFPs and you're not aware of how it's supposed to be. Uh, whales la, whales la. You don't know, man? Whales. I mean, they are expecting more la. Like for even for the base layer, they are they could be expecting more la. Uh, so I'm not into captains. Uh, never really look into what they are doing. But I was at first, to be honest, when I look at their NFT release, I thought, hey, what's happening? Why why so many of these characters look the same? Then later on, then I went to this court. Then I read, oh, they are you know this is like a base layer. You can actually get their traits. Then uh. And I start to understand, oh, okay, so this is their player, kind of like different. I think on CT, crypto Twitter, right, things move very fast. So some of this information might get, uh, get, might get lost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So then is it mm. a time to sell the market? Like, are we here to short it? Are we? Oh, and on <laughs> this shorting, right? <laughs> yeah. So there is... Um, never two, financial advice. Huh? This is ne never, never financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> so is there a way to technically short NFT. So it is possible uh, to short NFT. But let's say, uh, just for example, let's say, you know, uh, the day that uh, Azuki launched the Azuki Elemental, then you see everyone starts throwing and you want to short it. Uh, there are services out there. Uh, there are two uh, platforms out there that allows you to short NFT. Wow. And uh, recently, or these past few days, uh, so you can see on crypto Twitter, people starting to talk about these two services. Like, I can short NFT and this is how much I make. But now it's not the time to short. Lah. If everyone is talking about shorting, then better not do it. Lah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, I, I will be clear, like for example, Azuki, the lowest it goes. Uh, so if from 14 if base uh, before the announcement, till the announcement, the lowest it went was 585. And right now it's about 7 if. Lah. And uh, even the founder... Uh, so-called the team uh, has come out to make resolution uh, that how are they going to solve this uh, they are going to change the background so that it's easier to differentiate between Elemental and the OG Azuki they what's in the works uh, they also have this uh, what, what do you call it anime uh, that's in the in, in the works for me I don't really follow Azuki uh, but I, I'm a Goblin Town holder but oh. uh, <laughs> uh, not ne never financial advice ah. Uh. Yeah, never financial advice. So uh. down, down, down to Goblin Town. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> God knows where that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but I want to ask you a little bit about the short thing, right? So like, uh, in other words, these are like the the shortest are essentially it's a B market, right? That means they don't own anything. They just set up a platform for you to shop. 
Yeah, they set up a platform uh, for us to short. So how they do it, it's kind of like a swap. Lah. So you have an AMM, right? They call it a VA AMM, a virtual AMM. Then uh, they also take in the uh, Oracle prices. So for example, right now, Azuki is, I don't know, 7.4, for example. Sometimes this Oracle might react slower. So Oracle meaning they will take in the price at the actual price. Lah. So that's how they determine if your uh, position is up or down. So you can leverage. No? So right now, let's say, just for example, you think that oh, Azuki is coming back, right? Or Captain is coming back or whatever Pudgy Penguin is coming back. And you, but you don't want to buy a Pudgy Penguin because Pudgy Penguin is 4 if. But you have, let's say, 0.4 if or 0.04 if you want to, you know, take a bet. Then you can use this kind of platform to do it. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need to understand that the price are not specific. You, when you see on OpenSea, you say, wow, Pudgy Penguin went up to 6 if. Sometimes the oracle that is showing on your the trading platform, right, the NFT long and short platform, is still showing like five if. So you you might not make as much, and uh, the reaction time is also there are some issues. Not not say issues lah. It's just the way that it works. Um, it doesn't truly reflect uh real time, right? So let's say suddenly right now some choi choi something happened to, uh, some NFT and then price plummet, right? the platform might not react in time and you might still thinking that you are still having a, a positive PNL. So this kind of platform is subjective uh, on how you want to do it. But there are such platforms like crypto, anything is possible. Uh, anything you want to bet also so can. So essentially uh. it functions like an exchange. Uh. It takes it takes it bets is. on both sides. Uh. It is, it is. Yeah, you can long shot, you can leverage also. Okay, so mm-hmm. so then again, it's a whale could just come in and distort the market. Uh. Of course. Very possible. <laughs> Yeah, mm. of course. Market makers, bro. There are always yeah. market makers. You lie to yourself if you believe crypto got no market makers. <laughs> right? like, Cannot be that. They have. Like, I went to conference, uh, always see market makers walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're there. They're there. They're wearing the t-shirt, is it? Yeah. Ma- <laughs> no, no, no. The big brands are like Winter <laughs> We are market these. makers. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, that's like a, another series, like another t-shirt series. <laughs> Is that a market maker's website? Okay, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Okay, cool, cool. So, so then so then for people that are looking at, at, at this whole NFT shorting shit, right, at this point in time, what is your hot take for them? Don't do it, huh? <laughs> my, my hot take, don't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if everyone is talking about shorting, I mean, it's not going to happen, right? And uh, and also the price is recovering. Uh. Yeah. But so so also in the past week, I've seen a lot of uh, memes. I didn't actually look at the prices, but like things like, you know what, Justin Bieber paid three million for his BAYC and now it's like sixty thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah. And then like another one. So so what what what's happening with, with, with BAYC? Is it this is just part of the the, the, the broader trend that or what's going on? Uh never I really how you get your BYC. news from memes, uh, but but I know that's the trend. That's the trend. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so you're on Twitter, I saw the right? meme, right? And then oh, it's like news, eh? Right? So, so what, what is it? Please let us know. did drop a lot. Uh. They, they did drop a lot, the price. And uh, I don't really follow BYC, MYC. But I feel that, honestly speaking, if you are not exactly OG, uh, but if you bought it before they launched their ApeCoin, uh, if you think about it, right, the things that they launch, uh, for example, if you got a BYC, you will have gotten ApeCoin, you have gotten MAYC for free, right? You have gotten yep. the dog and some land and all this. If you have sold la, some of them at uh, peak or even mid-peak, actually the current price, I don't feel the holders are that bad. You see, I'm trying to say that they already give you a lot of things already. And all those yep, things, yep. if you have sold, you... If, uh, if you have sold, maybe you are not that bad. But if you are uh, 100% pure Yuga Lab 
wow, I, I believe them forever and you're still holding. Then you're holding the bag uh, like very heavy uh, because you hold it all the way up and you're still mm. and coming down and yeah, you're still holding them very heavy. Uh. True, true. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah. So if you think about the, the things that they have gotten, right? And yep. if they have so they you got like holder actually pretty decent. Uh, I, I feel uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think when 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 they when they gave the the ape coin airdrop, I mean the value of that at that point was already more than yeah. than the the BAYC itself. Uh. Yeah. So they got quite a bit of stuff. I'm gonna give a hot take. Uh. I'm just gonna never financial advice. Uh. Never, <laughs> never, uh, never. I I better repeat three times. Never, yeah, never, never, better, financial never, 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 never financial. Yeah. But if you believe so, you're a believer. <laughs> so Kevin Rose, you all know Kevin Rose, right? Yeah. Uh, he's a uh, leading uh proof. Uh, proof is uh don't exactly know how to say it, uh, but he is a uh, co-founder for Moonbird, uh, another MNT. So mm. Moonbird price also three, uh, right? Mm. And uh, recently he come out with a proof token, right? Proof token. <laughs> is it like uh, hope, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hope is a stable coin, right? I think. Yeah. But uh, this this token can do a, like can do a lot of things, one, uh, A lot of util- supposedly to a lot of utility, uh. So my, what I'm trying to say is. When an NFT uh, reach a stage where they don't have much idea already, but they need to generate hype, what is one of the things that they can choose to do? They launch token? Ah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will this token dump or not? I don't know. Ah. So you see the situation right now for some of the blue chip NFT, the so-called blue chip NFT, right? they are, the price are super low and some of them have not launched their token. And so this is my hot take. So I will, my hot take, some of them will start to launch token, kind of like Bitcoin. They need to generate mm-hmm. the buzz to come back. And uh, it's just which one will release first. Uh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, never financial advice, okay? Never, please, never. Please, that's house view. Yeah. Never. Don't, never, don't never. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Do don't your anyhow, own. don't anyhow. Do and own. liquidity for own. NFT is, uh, it's not like you buy and sell, like you swap in, swap out very fast. NFT is like you have to queue up one. Uh, so if you like put one if I put 0.9, then you have to like, just sit there and wait. It's not like your your you know, buy, sell so fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different game, la, different game. People playing different game. Yeah, everybody playing different game. Good, good. I like, I like. That's I a good closer. I approve. <laughs> okay. I approve, yeah. <laughs> so that is it for this week. Any last things? I think we shared a lot of good stuff this week. No, no, that's all. That's all for me. Yeah, you see, yeah, it's hopefully always good. Mark is back next week. Yeah. No, but I was just about to say, you see, always, it's always good when Mark is not around. Like, it's more calm. <laughs> we are more on point. We don't go into like high and mighty <laughs> ideology discussion. So, right? So, yeah, maybe it's time to retire Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for loving the podcast. Uh, yeah, see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Hey Coconuts, so yes, uh, I hope you enjoy this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead and uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project but we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments and if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff then that is where we're trying to cover but not from the angle of like this is good that is bad but really trying to see it from like what is happening how is it developing and I hope you find this useful and interesting right so if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week